Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Mike Olson. Mike, are you Hi, ready George. to do this? I am. <laughs> Let's do this. Mike is a CFP, CLU, CHFC, MSFS, partner with WealthPoint. I'm excited to have you on. Thank you. So uh, we're actually back where it all started, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was, I, I was parking and walking in, and... Uh, I mean, New York Life was my first job out of college, and this was in 2001. And uh, you know, you had been there for a little while, um, but that just feels like several lifetimes Forever ago. Forever ago, yeah. Which you know, essentially almost 20 years. And we were in this building. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. What, what floor were we on? Not that that's germane, but I think it was the seventh, seventh or ninth. I can't remember. It was okay. higher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it's pretty wild. I don't really I haven't really talked about uh, that too much. People know that that I've been in financial services for for twenty years. But anyway, Mike and I started our careers. Well, you you had been in the business for for some time. Anyway, mm-hmm. what, what's important is that you and I spent uh, seven years working together. Correct. And uh, it was really my foundation and and my start in the business and and a time that I look back upon very fondly. So anyway. Uh, but tell us a little bit about a little bit about your personal life. Okay. Um, some more about what you are doing with WealthPoint and really why it is that you're doing the work that you're doing. Okay. So uh, originally from Ohio, I had the good fortune to grow up in the Midwest, in Ohio. Moved out here in 1991 and got into the insurance industry in '95 after a little stint being a men's tailor, uh, kind of mm-hmm. off. The norm, the norm. Met my lovely wife, have three kids, three girls together, 28, 21, and 17. Wow. At that stage <laughs> of uh, almost, you know, getting a chance to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quite have the money to do it yet because we're paying for two colleges here, but uh, happy on the home front, all great. And on the business side, it's funny that you brought up this. Um, started New York Life together. I was obviously had a career, had a was in the industry prior to that. Then the evolution to New York Life and going through a captive environment system and a training program and uh, some mentoring and all of that. It actually evolved in in why WealthPoint is what it is, and I'll kind of explain that. But. Uh, the reason we created WealthPoint in 2010 is we felt like there was a uh, it, there was a misalignment between our industry, the insurance industry, and the client. In a sense, how products were sold, uh, how the education system and training those agents um, was was built, as well as the interaction between the wealth advisory space, the space you're in now the legal, the attorneys, and the CPAs, and in the insurance person were not working well together. There was kind of these lines in the sand. There was, they just weren't playing well in the sandbox. There was a lot of, you know, uh, beliefs that you either came through that you did not like insurance, it was horrible, or if you came through the insurance route, you liked it. 
So we wanted to change that. We wanted to change the alignment with the client to create a more fiduciary um, system and then also break down a lot of those barriers on how the advisors interact and work together far more efficiently with the client holistic plan in mind. And that was the evolution of WealthPoint in 2010. Nice. So that they're not playing well in the uh, sandbox together. Yes. That you have essentially, I imagine, client sort of stuck in the middle and then all these really smart folks out there, um, but not, 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 not communicating, whatever. So how, how does that really manifest as a problem for the client? So what, what happens is the client gets caught hearing opinions from these different professionals that have some bias, right? By based off of the industry, how you were trained, uh, what route you came through. So if you came through like a Merrill Lynch wirehouse, right? You had a certain training versus if you came through a New York Life system. You might manage money and do a very similar thing, but you have a different bent, different training, different philosophy, different um, kind of uh, habits, if you want to call them. So the client gets caught in this environment where they're trying to decipher all these professionals that are giving them ideas and the there's walls in between those professions and they don't talk and they don't they don't they're not open-minded to understand where that other profession is coming from so you kind of have an all-or-nothing sales system you either believe me being the insurance guy that what I'm saying is true or you might have to believe the wealth advisor who's saying insurance is bad right and you get caught in that versus in our interaction now at WealthPoint because we spend so much time with wealth advisors and other professions educating and pulling back that Wizard of Oz curtain on how the insurance industry works, they're far more open-minded to have conversations and open-minded to different ideas working together with what they want to accomplish. So the client just gets caught and they don't know who to trust. They in and what happens is a lot of times they make a decision heading down a path because this person had the most influence. Then they hear something that's completely opposite two years ago and they cancel everything they were doing and they kind of bounce around right between these different philosophies and products and things as opposed to truly getting the best information from day one and their team all understanding all those products and solutions and strategies and agreeing with them. Got it. I think that makes sense. It certainly makes sense that uh, the sort of the analogy I was thinking about was, uh, you know, a hammer is always constantly in search of nails, right? Correct. And yes. uh, if I'm a if I'm a surgeon, which I am not, I've had no medical training technically, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when I see a problem, my solution is probably often to to cut and to have surgery and to fix it that way. Versus if I'm a naturopath, my uh, the way that I view problems is is completely different. Hundred percent. So okay. So I, I could certainly see where where trust wins the day a lot of the time, as as well it should in in, in absence of knowing all of that, right? Because right. how, how could you expect client to really really understand that or fear? Um, what uh, 
Okay, so I, I see how problems arise. What's the uh, what's the consequence to the client? The yeah. consequence is, is disjuncted planning. Um, it's not working together. Everything's in silos. You jump from one strategy to the other, right? And you potentially have sunk costs in doing that, as opposed to having a a far better original holistic plan from the beginning, right? That time, um, a lot of times that's what solves problems is the right plan in time, things come together and it evolves. When you jump from strategy to strategy to strategy, right? You don't have the time to solve the problem and you cause more problems. Mm -hmm. So it's just disjuncted planning is I think the real, the, the real cost of that. Yeah. I'm fond of saying that that none of us have time, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like we're sitting here 20 years, uh, 20 years knowing each other and and working together off and on. Your I, I was there when your daughters were born, or yeah. two of them anyway, and now they're in college. And it's like my work. I, I try to get people to start saving when they're 20 years old, but whatever it might be. And uh, some days are long, but years are fast. So I totally get mm -hmm. that there is an enormous cost to. To, to anybody of having a disjointed plan or just a lack of cohesion mm -hmm. and there's costs like literally probably monetary costs to doing the wrong thing and and obviously again going back to the whole time thing we all know how valuable that is yes. okay uh, so it's 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 breaking down it perhaps paradigms what what are some of the biggest challenges to to helping client to understand that this this may be your situation, right? What what what, what you're doing, it's probably okay, but maybe it's not optimal. I, I think the 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 client wants the best outcome, right? That's why they're seeking professional help, right? And they they understand that if the team is working together and the plan is cohesive and monitored, the outcome is going to be better. So I think they're very open-minded to wanting that and craving that. They're craving that. I think the challenge is um, that sometimes their advisors aren't lending the space to the other advisors to collaborate, work together on behalf of the client. So you have sometimes advisors that think they know all or they have all the answers or they are delivering the proper solution as opposed to maybe pull the ego out a little bit and embrace these other professionals so that the, 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 the mind share of different ideas and strategies can, it can take place. So I don't think it's on the client. They crave it. They want it. I think it's more one is a little bit on the client side in the sense of taking the time to slow down, look at the big picture, right, and understand that... Um, spending more time now on the goals, objectives, in, in real um, uh, meaning will create a better outcome. If you can get that, then I think it's really about the advisor team not playing well together and somebody trying to be the chief, right? And, and blocking some of the other advisors from really bringing value. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, no, certainly, right. I mean, it's 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 a lot to sort of get your arms around, right? And 
ego is is a tricky thing to manage for for, for each and every one of us, obviously. Um, I, I I think the idea of you know it's it's a burden for every one of us to try to look at a situation and to figure out what the right course of action is. Yeah, is what I'm doing correct? Do I have the headspace? to dig deeper into this or I'm like like ah you know I'm hit with advertisements and messages and solicit 24 hours a day from the internet and everything else and then the challenges of relationships that I've had for years at, at the club or my brothers in the business whatever it might be some clients stuck there and do, do, do they have the tolerance and the energy and the headspace to be thinking about all this stuff correct so that's that's I would agree awfully tough it's classic behavior gap right it's like okay yes I understand that I'm supposed to be unpacking all this stuff and doing my independent research and then making a decision and moving past it but what I actually do is a whole other animal and it is you have thoughts on that well I, I think I agree 100% I think what's where the, 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 the positive in all of this is the wealth advisory world has evolved and changed to become more fiduciary Mm. and less transactional. So the wealth advisors are becoming more holistic, are gathering more information, are spending more time on the big picture versus just picking an allocation model and trying to manage money, right? That's a great thing. So I think from the consumer standpoint, the client, if they have that right person, Right, that person knows a lot of the information yeah. to take it off of the client's you know, job to go learn all this, to say, if I know your real goals, right, and I have this information, if I'm open-minded right, with the other professionals, yeah. I can kind of spearhead this process. Hmm. Right? So I think there's some good news in it that that wealth advisor is jumping to that kind of spearhead role and doing a very good job of it, and the industry is pushing them there, and in that fiduciary behavior and process is is, is, is changing drastically. The challenge is, is my world in the insurance world has not evolved like that, so we're still a role player, we're still commission-driven, right? So that there's that's where those two Professions learning how to play properly, yeah, is I think where WealthPoint is breaking the barrier and unique in forging ahead to cha- to change that um, interaction. Got it. I think that that's uh, I think that that's really well said right there. And oftentimes, over the past couple of years of doing this podcast, I think I've we've had difficulty to really articulate the value to client, to consumer of what fiduciary really means. 100%. But that really, I think that that sort of summarizes it right there. It's as the industry has changed, as fees have gotten down or been pushed down, as technology is, is democratized, investing, all very, very good things, it's pushed to the forefront uh, of fiduciary financial advisor, investment manager, wealth manager, whatever term that you're interested in using, and fiduciary meaning that they're legally obligated to act in best interest of client, somebody who's actually a fiduciary advisor and understanding the landscape and who wants to deepen their relationship with their clients and to do a really good job and to be more of a holistic planner, um, it's given them that opportunity. 
Yes. Well, and I think to add to that the definition of fiduciary, right? There's the definition and then there's the behavior, hmm. right? In aligning those, the, the, the wealth advisory world went from the transaction assets under management to charging a fee to manage that money and now it's evolving to this charging a flat fee to do all planning whether there's AUM involved or not AUM involved assets under management right um, in your managing an allocation model to a purely just fat flat fee and that kind of just is edging to that next level of fiduciary because you don't have a conflict of interest or a bias so even like as the insurance guy if I sell insurance I make money if I'm a fiduciary wealth advisor under the definition but I get paid under the assets under management model I have a conflict I don't want assets to leave my care to go pay down a house to go buy a second home, whatever. I'd rather keep it in my sure. AUM bucket because I make more money, right? right? So there's still little conflicts of interest, even though it's evolving and the fiduciary definition and behavior is getting pushed, there's still some conflicts. And I think there always will be, right? It's hard to get through of all of them. So that's where WealthPoint is really trying to spearhead that from taking the insurance industry to say, okay, now let's disclose compensation. Let's disclose how these products work. Let's blend out compensation or reduce our compensation purposefully to create better products and let's educate these advisors on what you can do because most people have no idea that you can blend out compensation. Most insurance people never disclose compensation. So there's just a natural wall right between those industries that they're butting heads. Well, if we educate, we can break down that wall and now they're saying, okay, at least you're being honest with us. Now we'll let you to the party. Now we'll let you brainstorm with our fact pattern and see what you can bring to the table because I know, right, you're going to share what your motives are and then I can kind of keep them at bay or keep it under control. So I think that's where WealthPoint's real mission is, is to change that through fiduciary behavior in regards to the insurance industry. Even though def from a definition we can't be a fiduciary because we get commissions. If that makes sense. Got it. That I think that that does make sense. And just listening, I think that everybody values transparency. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Well, I don't know that I think that everybody values transparency. <laughs> I think that that all consumers want transparency, and they welcome knowing. Here's how much Mike makes. Here's how much John makes. Here's how much Sally makes. And here's what Mike's going to do. Here's what Sally's going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think, you tell me, once an advisor is in the practice of doing that, then it's just regular, right? Yes. If, if you're not, then it's probably scary and uncomfortable and... Correct. Yeah. It. Well, and, and you came through the same system I did, right? I did. There was not... Disclosure was not encouraged. And... There was just there was no there was no precedent for how you're supposed to disclose what you're supposed to say how you're supposed to articulate I made X amount of money and here's what I'm doing for that money right right so the natural tendency is to avoid it we're just saying okay here's exactly what we make here's why here's what we do here's how what it means over a 10 15 year period of time right so people can understand right that 
that transaction, what do you get? What am I getting for what I'm paying for? And I think there's been a lot of bias towards the insurance industry because a lot of the other professions, the CPAs, the, the attorneys, the wealth advisors, knew there was big commissions. They didn't know how much because it was never disclosed, and they didn't know what to do it right, how much work really went into it. So it's just not knowing causes a lot of bias, you know, just non-logical non, um, assumptions. So if you just tear that down and disclose, everybody is willing to pay a fair fee for a fair service. I think so. You just don't know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. So our industry's hidden all that. So we're purposefully trying to change that with the other advisor communities, which ultimately just gets passed down on the consumer to having better products, more co cohesive collaboration with their advisor team, which gets better results. Got it. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Developing a relationship, to your point, playing nice in the sandbox with the other advisors. One person understands the other party and their motivations and where they're coming from and what they're hoping to accomplish. And that's then articulated to client in an unbiased way, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, solution or the outcome should be better, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we have a phrase called shared purpose in our relationships. And what that means is all parties that are privy to that engagement, right? There's complete disclosure, honesty, and all parties feel good about that interaction and leave going, wow, that was great, and want to continue that versus the alternative, which is, I don't know what, I feel my, you know, that buyer's remorse, that gut feeling, I feel like somebody took advantage of me. Shared purpose is the exact opposite of that. And so that's what we promote is shared purpose relationships between advisors, but also then take that to the client. Got it. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. We've all had, uh, for the most part, anytime I walk into a car dealership, I have that feeling. <laughs> yes. Like, oh no, what, what just happened? What's about to happen? And then you leave and whatever, you're happy with your car probably. It doesn't make perfect sense. You don't know, like if I was just thinking about this because my lease is up. So I have to go in and I want to buy that car. Well, the, there's, there's three variables, right? What value are you giving me for my car? What price am I going to pay for the new car? And then what's the interest rate that you're going to charge me to finance it, right? If I don't know all three of those and you're just telling me I'm going to get you a payment, I feel like you're hiding something and you're manipulating one or two or all three of those variables yeah. as opposed to truly honest would be, okay, I'm going to give you X for the car. You're going to buy it for X. And then here's the ongoing interest rate environment with the various banks. And if you put those three together, here's what the price is. Then I wouldn't have that feeling, right? And you probably wouldn't have that feeling. That's the problem right. is that's not, that's not what's done. Yeah. It's what payment do you want? And then I'll manipulate those three things yeah. to get what you want. Sort of back into it there, buddy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got it. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. And I think that, that I think that that's fairly easy to understand and um, nice. So for people who are listening, they say, yes, this this is what I want. I'm interested in, in knowing. How, how, how would you counsel them to talk to their advisors? I would... One is having the fiduciary conversation of 
of the I think nowadays the disclosure of how you're paying your wealth advisor is there mm-hmm. um, setting the expectations of what am I getting meaning am I just getting an asset allocation model and a retirement plan or are you going to help me with my estate plan are you helping me with my insurance design and management are you helping me if I own a business with some additional business ideas right mm-hmm. what are that expectations of how are you helping me and if it is a holistic planning engagement right think about did your insurance advisor have a real insurance conversation not just hey get me over your policies you have two million dollars a term great as opposed to why do you have what you have how much do you need of death benefit for how long what periods of time and have a really strong conversation about that vice versa estate planning and with the business owner if they're not really having those deep conversations you might be just getting a piece of that holistic plan but you're paying as if you're getting the whole thing so just maybe having those conversations understanding or setting expectations of what the conversation should be right about those other areas and then just being brutally honest right um, how do you get paid what are what's what's what are my expectations? How often are we going to meet? That kind of thing. If the person, I can say this, in interacting with thousands of advisors, most, 95% of most advisors truly aren't insurance experts. You can't be a wealth advisor, you know, many manager expert and a CPA, and it's very hard to do. So if they're not bringing somebody to the table to analyze something, summarize something, just kind of give you new ideas, and they're just trying to do it themselves very quickly, and you're a higher net worth, higher income individual, there's something should be off a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because I can say that my interactions with these wealth advisors that are very successful, very bright, and very skilled people, we bring unique ideas and conversations that they didn't think about that are getting captured and then we're creating multiple analysis to take the client 90% of the time. So if that's not happening, then your value proposition in that area is really not getting delivered. Got it. I think that that's excellent right there. Just knowing the right questions to ask and being confident in asking them, knowing that the advisor should be prepared to answer them and also appreciating that when your advisor does say, hey, this is not my number one area, but I have partners that I work with consistently who can and do answer these questions and help you design whatever, if it's from tax perspective or a legal perspective or an insurance perspective, right. you, that, that, that should inspire confidence. 100%. More than anything else. Yep. Nice. Yep. 100%. I like it. Well, that was a pretty good tip right there, Mike, but... Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. <laughs> I would say in today's world, the, the, anybody you work with in that advisory role needs to know what your expectations are and communicate that. So both parties know because that's, that's usually the breakdown is the expectations are not, both parties don't have the same expectations. And you can solve a lot of problems knowing that 
that the expectations are different, you can solve a lot of problems. Like that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Life is all about expectations, man. We're talking about business partners, significant others, friends, kids. Kids. <laughs> it's all about expectations. I love it. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How, how, how can they engage? Wealthpoint.net is our website. Please check it out and love to answer any questions we possibly can. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mike your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Share it with your advisors. Um, and also check out wealthpoint.net. I'll list all of that or that in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.